All right, church, we will be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you can please open your Bibles, and the passage might also be found on the page 967 from the Pew Bible, and we will be reading um, two passages. The first one is 2 Corinthians 6 from 11 to 13, and then 7 from 2 to 4. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our hearts is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to the fathers in the room. I want to pick up uh, from announcements. Christy mentioned the workday uh, yesterday, and if you were here, that was a great time. And uh, she had us clap, but the truth is that Christy and Manfred really put that together, and no one clapped for them. You can't invite someone to clap for yourself. So we should clap for Christy and Manfred. <clears throat> they, did a, they did a great job. And uh, I was talking uh, with Alan Bernthal in the morning. He said, this is a great idea. You, so good of you to organize this. And I, you know, I said, well, I didn't, it's not my idea. And I didn't organize it. So it uh, really was Christy and Manfred that put all that together. But it was really fun working uh, with those of you that were able to be with us. And we got a lot of work done. And uh, the pictures don't quite do justice uh, of all that got done, but it was a good time. So real appreciative of that. And speaking of also uh, not my idea and not but uh, the uh, cookout at my place tonight was not also neither my idea nor am I organizing it, but I'm glad to host it. But I'm a little puzzled why Christy doesn't think my name and party go together. <laughs> uh, if you caught that in the announcement, because if you Google party with an image search, you see me with a lampshade on my head. So I mean, I'm really, it's going to be a good time. So if you are uh, free tonight, someone has asked me like, why are you doing something at your house on Father's Day? And we were talking about this as a staff trying to find uh, the day in June where we were going to do a men's cookout. And this was the only day that we, we were all home that didn't have something going on. So if you, uh, if you have Father's Day plans at 7 o'clock tonight, then you're, you know, don't, don't come. But if, you know, like the rest of us, most fathers don't have Father's Day plans at 7 o'clock at night. So you're welcome to come uh, to our place. We'd love to have you. And we got uh, uh, burgers and drinks and everything. If you haven't signed up, though, let me encourage you to sign up because it just helps us know how many burgers we need to buy. So you can just sign up even right now. I'll give you like five minutes of this sermon time right here to sign up if you want to. 
or wives, just sign your husbands up. It's fine too. But uh, sign up and let us know how many are common, and then we'll get burgers for you. So, all right. So a number of weeks ago, when we restarted our sermon series on 2 Corinthians, I began with the sort of mini-series within the larger series, focusing on the ministry of reconciliation. And we were getting that from chapter 5 and chapter 5 and 6. And throughout this little mini-series focusing on the ministry of reconciliation, I've been describing the ministry of reconciliation as a sort of golden chain of discipleship that begins with God the Father, passes on to Jesus, onto the apostles, onto the church, and then out into the world. And so you and I, as members of Jesus' church, we inherit or recipients of this golden chain of discipleship, and then we are to extend it out into the world. And we've been looking at the example of the Apostle Paul as a minister of reconciliation par excellence, looking at him and how he operated and navigated his calling as a minister of reconciliation so that we can emulate him and do our ministry of reconciliation out into the world as God allows and permits. And a few weeks ago, I noted that I saw eight principles of Paul's ministry of reconciliation in chapters 5 and 6. And so we got through seven of them, and then Pastor Eric preached, and then Pastor John preached, but there was still one left that I wanted to hit. And so we're doing this eighth principle this morning. And the eighth principle is this, to minister the gospel like an apostle means to live open-heartedly. And Paul starts making this point in 6, 11 through 13. And then there's a bit of a digression that John preached from uh, in 6, 14 through 7, 2. But then he comes back to this point in 7, 2 through 4. So we're going to spend the next few Sundays looking at this passage. This morning, we're just going to focus on 6, 11 through 13, kind of introduce the theme of open-heartedness, and then we'll look uh, in the coming weeks, the next two Sundays, from 7, 2 through 4, about more details about that. So this morning, 6, 11 through 13, and uh, the idea of open-hearted discipleship. All right, so 6, 11, Paul says that his heart is open wide to the Corinthians. Now, the word translated in 6.11 as wide open, that's actually a, a verb, and it means to enlarge or to expand. Paul's heart is enlarged or expanded towards the Corinthians. Now, it's not good to have an enlarged heart, physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, it is good to have an enlarged heart. And the metaphor means pretty much the same thing in Paul's day that it means in our day. To have a wide open or enlarged heart towards someone means that you have tenderness and compassion and affection for that person. So if I say I have a big heart for kids, you know that I mean I have a lot of compassion and tenderness and affection for kids. So when Paul is saying that his heart is expanded or wide open towards the Corinthians, He's saying that he has a lot of tenderness and affection and compassion for the Corinthians. Now, the Corinthians might say, oh, Paul, you say that to all of your churches, which he does, in fact. He says it to almost all of his churches. It's the same basic sentiment that he communicates to the Philippians when he tells them, I hold you in my heart. And this is Paul's posture towards the churches that he pastors. He holds them in his heart. His heart is wide open to them. 
But Paul's heart towards the Corinthians is not matched by the Corinthians' heart towards him. In verse 11, Paul says that his affections for the Corinthians are not restricted, but their affections for him are restricted, which is why in verse 13, he's asking them to enlarge their hearts back to him. And he says, I'm speaking to you as a father to his children. Open wide your hearts to me. His comments about the Corinthians being like children is not intended as a critique, but as proof of his enlarged heart for them. Now, this is Father's Day, and at Father's Day, dads get to make all the dad jokes that they want. This is what Bruce Rollwood and I were talking about uh, between services, right? So that's one of the advantages of being a dad on Father's Day. You get to make dad jokes. But I was making dad jokes on a non-Father's Day a while back uh, with Ella, and she just wasn't thinking I was as funny as I thought that I was. And she said, Dad, you're being like a child, is what she said to me. But Paul is not here being Ella to the Corinthians, right? He's not saying critically, you're acting like children. Grow up. Rather, he's saying, I think of you like my own children. I love you. I care for you. Paul is the founding pastor of the church in Corinth. And he cares for the Corinthians as a spiritual father cares for his spiritual children. Now, Paul's open-hearted posture to the Corinthians is noteworthy because the Corinthians have not been a model church. Looking back into the pages of 1 Corinthians, if you've read through the letter of 1 Corinthians, you can see that the church in Corinth was full of relational strife, factions, sexual immorality, doctrinal confusion. It was a pretty big mess. And then here in 2 Corinthians, it doesn't seem like things have gotten a whole lot better because we see that the Corinthians are doubting Paul's apostolic ministry and they're thinking of defecting and leaving the true gospel to follow the false gospel of the super apostles. All of which is to say this has not been an easy relationship between Paul, the spiritual father, and the Corinthians, the spiritual children. And yet, despite all of the problems and relational strife between Paul and the Corinthians, Paul is enlarging his heart towards the Corinthians. Even while the Corinthians, or at least some of the Corinthians, are constricting or closing their heart to him. And Paul is such an example of grace here because his response to the Corinthians runs contrary to human nature. Many people are open-hearted just by personality. You don't have to be a Christian to be open-hearted to others. But to stay open-hearted when others aren't treating you right, that's distinctly Christian. Our natural human reflexive action is to close off our hearts towards others when we sense them closing off their hearts to us. So if you walk into a room all open-hearted and friendly, and then all the people in the room just stare at you sullenly and don't say anything, what do you do? Well, you just take your enlarged heart, you shrink it back up, you stuff it back in your chest, zip it back up, and you keep that to yourself. And the reason that you do that is because you don't want to make yourself vulnerable 
to people who aren't willing to make themselves vulnerable to you. I'm not going to open my chest to give you access to my heart. I'm not going to enlarge my heart towards you if you're not willing to enlarge your heart towards me. I'll open my heart to you, but only insofar as you're willing to open your heart to me. And then all of life becomes a grown-up version of the grade school game, I'll like you if you like me. But that's not what Paul is doing here. As the Corinthians are making their hearts smaller towards Paul, he's actually making his heart bigger towards them. Now, why is Paul doing this? He's doing this because he knows that open-heartedness is the way to open up closed hearts. He knows that open-heartedness is the way to open up closed hearts. We can see this maxim or truth, perhaps most especially, with children, which is the analogy that Paul is using here in this passage. Whether you're a parent or you've just spent a lot of time with kids, you likely know what I'm talking about. Very often, when you enlarge your heart towards closed-off children, even an angry or withdrawn child, they will often enlarge their heart back to you. This is one of the things they teach foster parents or those who are adopting. But it's true for all kinds of interactions between adult caregivers and children. It might take a minute or a month or a year, but as you make yourself tender and compassionate and understanding towards a closed-off child, as you enlarge your heart towards a closed-off child, your tenderness and compassion and understanding often births those very same things in the child's heart. Their heart responds to your heart. And sometimes that takes a lot of patience and it requires parents and caregivers to absorb a lot of grief and anger and acting out to keep your heart open, especially from children who have been abused or who have come from, from hard places. But you know what never opens up the heart of a closed-off child? The closed-off heart of an adult. Children need adults to come into their life with expanded hearts to draw their own heart out. And what's true of children is true of all relationships. Open hearts, open hearts. But closing hearts, close hearts. Our hearts, even as adults, respond to the hearts of others. We are friendlier and open-hearted towards friendly people. And we are defensive and closed off towards critical people. And because Paul knows the power of open-heartedness to open up hearts, he's refusing to close off his heart to the Corinthians. He sees them getting in a bad spot and closing off their hearts. And so rather than responding in kind, he's expanding his heart. He's opening up his heart. He's making himself even more vulnerable with them. Now, before going any further in the sermon, let me invite you to take a moment and consider a relationship, maybe two, maybe just stick with one, where you find yourself naturally closing off your heart. So maybe it's a difficult child, like your parent-child relationship is kind of what Paul is working with 
and his relationship with the Corinthians, maybe it's a difficult child. Parents are supposed to love all their kids with an equal level of love, and we do, but that doesn't mean we love all of our kids with an equal level of ease. And sometimes different kids at different seasons of life can be harder to love, like when your daughter doesn't appreciate your dad jokes. Like, that was really hard for me, you know, but I didn't close off my heart. No, I kept it open. Or maybe it's in your marriage. Your marriage maybe has taken a wrong turn, or maybe it never turned out like you hoped it would. And you find yourself closing off your heart to your spouse. Or perhaps it's an aging parent who has become especially challenging to you in their old age. Or maybe it's a friend or a sister or a brother or a difficult coworker, someone that when they walk into the room, your heart just starts to close up. Who's that person? Now, there are a lot of people in the world that we should be open-hearted towards, like everyone. Like that's the Christian life, right, is to be open-hearted to everyone. But we're not all that spiritual, right? So let's focus on just this one person because maybe that person is someone that has come to your mind not just because they're challenging, but because you know that God wants you to be open-hearted to them and you're finding it hard to do so. So just hold that person in your mind for a moment because I want to make two observations about open-heartedness that may be helpful for you. I want to make an observation about the source of open-heartedness, and I want to make an observation about the focus of open-heartedness. So first, the source of open-heartedness. Open-heartedness is fundamentally sourced in God. The remarkable thing about Paul is that he enlarged his heart towards the Corinthians in the teeth of, of the Corinthians' restricting heart. We all know that's not easy to do, but it's pretty much the same thing that Jesus is saying when he tells us that we should love our enemies. Loving our friends, that's easy enough. But loving our enemies, that's the challenge. And it's the same thing with being open-hearted. Being open-hearted to people that are being open-hearted to you, well, that's easy enough. But being open-hearted to people that are closing off and restricting their hearts... That's the challenge. Where did Paul learn such a thing? Well, he learned it from Jesus, of course. This is all part of the golden chain of discipleship. An open-hearted posture is the very posture that God has towards humanity. And it's the posture that has opened up our heart back to God. When humanity fell into sin, we became hard-hearted, or closed off towards God. We restricted our hearts towards God. We were trapped in fear and pain and suffering. But God did not become hard-hearted back to us. Instead, he enlarged his heart towards us in order to draw us back to himself. And we can see this all throughout the story of the Bible. When the people of Israel were trapped in slavery in Egypt, their cries of desperation went up to heaven, and God heard their cries, And he enlarged his heart. He took note of their pain and their suffering. He cared about it. And he came down into Egypt and he delivered the Israelites out of the clutches of Pharaoh. But deliverance from Egypt didn't open up human hearts back to God. The people just grumbled and complained 
said they would have been better off staying as slaves in Egypt. So God enlarged his heart even further, and he came and he tabernacled among his people, deigning even to live with them in a tent. And he gave them his laws so that they would know how to live and to flourish in the world. But that didn't open humanity's heart towards God. The people just grumbled and complained some more, and they disobeyed, and they chased after other gods. And so he enlarged his heart even further, and he sent his prophets to exhort the people, to rebuke the people, to encourage them to come back to him. But that didn't open humanity's heart towards God. They just killed and stoned and mocked the prophets. So finally, God took his own beating heart of love, whose name is Jesus, and enlarged it all the way out of his chest. And he placed it before the people. And we crucified it. But in God's own death, the life of God at last took root in the human heart. And now the love and life of God beats in human hearts all over the world, spreading from culture to culture on every continent. And the name of Jesus is worshipped in almost every language. And the church isn't perfect, of course, far from it. But the fully enlarged heart of God towards humanity, even to the point of God's own death, has finally started to win back the hard-hearted hearts of human beings. And because Paul has experienced God's open-heartedness towards him in Jesus, Paul is passing along that same open-heartedness to the Corinthians. And the point to be made here about the open-heartedness of God is not just to point to it as merely an example to live up to. It's not just look at Jesus and do what he does. It's to remind us that God's own open-heartedness in Jesus is the ultimate source of our open-heartedness. It's only because God has, as Paul says in Romans 5, 5, poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we're able to stay open-hearted to others when they are closing off their hearts to us. Because of God's love poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, because we are recipients and participants in this golden chain of discipleship, we have all the love that we need in Jesus. And that's why we can survive even when others don't love us in return. So your closed off heart, it might hurt me, it might wound me, it might grieve me and cause me sorrow, but it can't kill me. And it doesn't have power over my joy. And so by God's grace, with his heart of love enlarged towards me, I'm going to love you and keep my heart enlarged towards you even when you're not loving me. So the first thing to remember if you struggle to be open-hearted is that open-heartedness doesn't come from your own strength. It's sourced in God. The love with which we love others open-heartedly is love with which we love others, not our natural innate human love. That's just friendship love. We need like enemy love. 
love others who are not loving us. That only comes from God. That's God's own love. But we need to say more maybe about this, and that leads to my second observation, which is about the focus of open-heartedness. Open-heartedness comes from focusing on God's open heart for me, not on my closed heart for others. So often in our pursuit of godliness, we focus on our sins and our failures. It's our sins and our failures that are on our horizon. And these are all the things that we're trying to take care of, like whack-a-mole, right? So we struggle with porn, and so we focus on not looking at porn. Or we struggle with anger, and we focus on not being angry. Or we struggle with overeating, overeating, and we focus on not overeating. But that's a futile strategy for sanctification. Because focusing on what we shouldn't be doing will never give us the power to change. So if I'm struggling with porn, I don't need to focus on how I shouldn't be looking at porn. I need to focus on God's love and care for me. Because it's only as I learn more and more how much God cares for me and loves me and provides for me that my restless search for love is assuaged and I feel less and less need to seek it elsewhere. Or if I'm struggling with anger, I don't need to focus on being less angry. That won't be the source of victory in my life. I need to focus on God's love and care and patience. Because it's only as I learn more and more about how God cares for me and is gracious to me and forgives me that my anger begins to subside and go away. We don't get free of our sin by focusing on our sin. We get free of our sin by focusing on and experiencing God's love and grace. And it's the same thing with being open-hearted. If you're struggling to be open-hearted in a particular relationship, you're not going to make any progress by focusing on how you should be more open-hearted or feeling guilty about how you should be more open-hearted or ashamed of yourself about how you should be more open-hearted. Rather, we should turn our whole heart toward understanding and experiencing God's love and kindness and his open-heartedness towards us. Listen, you can't give what you don't have. If you find yourself in short supply of open-heartedness, you have to go back and get it from the source. But you can't get open-heartedness from God like an external commodity that you simply pass on to others. Right? So if I'm having a hard time being open-hearted to John, Right? And so I go to God and I say, God, I'm having a hard time being open-hearted to John. Can you give me some more open-heartedness? So he gives me some open-heartedness, pass it in my hand. I take it and I just pass it on to John. Right? But it never like actually touches my heart. But open-heartedness doesn't go from hand to hand to hand. It goes from God's heart to my heart to John's heart. The only way to get God's open-heartedness from God is to open your heart to God and experience more of his open-heartedness towards you in your own heart. God's open-heartedness towards you, it's not meant to stay on the surface of your life. He wants to plant his love deep down into the bones of your soul. Because it's only as you come to see and know how kind 
and gracious and loving and long-suffering and patient and compassionate God is towards you and receive his love deeper into your heart that you will have any open-heartedness to pass on to someone else. So if you find yourself in a short supply of open-heartedness towards your son, let's say, then don't spend all of your time thinking about or even praying about your relationship with your son. When you find yourself inappropriately closing off your heart towards your son, your prayer should not be, God, make me more loving towards my son. Rather, your prayer should be, God, teach me how much you love me. As you grow in your capacity to know and receive the love that God has for you, your capacity to love your son just naturally takes care of itself. So don't despair if you find yourself struggling with open-heartedness. God's not angry at you. He's not scowling at you. He's not condemning you. He loves you. That's the whole point of his open-heartedness towards you. Just receive that difficult relationship, whatever it is that you're in, as a gracious invitation from the Lord to open your heart further to his love for you. He longs to pour out more of his love upon you. And listen, opening our hearts to God's love is not easy. I think sometimes we think that it's easy to be loved by God, but it's not easy to be loved by God. And sometimes I think that just because we're Christians, that, that means we've already, we've, we've already settled that with God. We're already loved by God. Right? And so then when we think about loving others, we're like, okay, I've already got this love from God thing figured out. Now I just need to figure out how to love this person, this difficult or challenging person. As though there's not a break in the chain here that's causing the break in the chain here. But the reality is if you're having a hard time here, you got to go back upstream and you got to figure out how to get more of God's love poured out into your life, into your heart, so that you actually have something to overcome this difficult relationship and to stay open-hearted and to continue passing on God's love. So when we come up against a relationship where we're struggling to love, don't get overwhelmed. Don't get frustrated with yourself. Don't become self-critical. Don't turn away from that relationship. That relationship is just a sign that God has more of his love yet to pour out into your heart. The whole Christian life, I think, is learning how to open up our hearts more and more and more and more to God's endless, infinite love. This is what he wants for us. He wants to pour out all of himself into our hearts so that we can become conduits of his unrestrained love out into the world. Now, we're going to talk more about open-heartedness in the next couple of weeks from chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. But to bring all this back here right at the end, just to the ministry of reconciliation, it's as we grow in our capacity to expand our hearts towards others, most especially those who are not expanding their hearts back to us, that the truth and the glory of the gospel shines the brightest. Enemy love... Not friendship love, 
enemy love. That's the great mark and sign that God's love has come among us. When we grow in our capacity to love those who are not loving us back, to be open-hearted towards those who are restricting their hearts towards us, that shows that we have received the love that God has poured out in our hearts because it was God who loved us while we were still enemies of him. He did not close his heart to us, but he expanded his heart to us. And we receive that love. And as his love takes further and further root in our hearts, it gives us more and more capacity to expand our hearts of love towards the world. So let's keep learning and practicing and seeking after God's own heart of love towards us so that we can share the same open heart of love towards our community and towards those in our life that need to experience the love of God. Father, thank you that you have given us the heart of your love in the person of Christ. When we had closed off our hearts to you entirely and we were shut down and withdrawn, Lord, you didn't turn away from us, but you just drew near to us and you expanded your heart. You kept expanding your heart. At great cost to yourself, you've expanded your heart. And God, we thank you that in your kindness and in your mercy and in your compassion that you expanded your heart to us. And we want to receive more of that, Lord. Teach us how much you love us so that we can love others with that same love. God, help us to be like Paul, who is like Jesus, who is like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.